In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, sons of Joseph. Welcome back to another episode of Whittle Bits. Uh, this is Connor, and I'm coming to you this morning from the creek right near my house. Uh, you can probably hear the water running in the background. I hope it adds to this time of reflection and does not distract. I hope it doesn't just sound like white noise. Um, but I came here this morning uh, because strangely last night I woke up in the middle of the night. Um, as, you, as many of you know, I my wife and I have a six-month-old baby and she likes to wake up various times throughout the night. So last night I was up around 2.30 changing a diaper and I realized that I owed Brian an episode. And so here I am. I got the idea last night at 2.30 to come over to the park this morning near the creek to record. I'm not really sure why, but I think it has something to do with what the Lord wants me to speak about this morning. So here we go. The thing I want to talk about uh, has to do with a principle that I learned in a recent class that I took on the liturgy and sacraments. And this principle could go by many names. You could describe it in different ways. But the basic the basis of it is the movement of the sacramental signs through what we call the economy of salvation. Basically, I'll explain what that is. So we have the sacraments in the Catholic Church. We have the seven sacraments, and each of those sacraments is signified or symbolized by something such as in baptism, water, or in the Holy Eucharist, it's bread and wine. In confirmation, it's oil, etc. And so there's this principle that these signs, we'll just go with the example of baptism because I'm next to running water here. These sacramental signs, so the sign of water goes all the way back to the beginning of creation. And as we follow the history of salvation through the Old Testament and into the New Testament, the sign of water pops up over and over again. And as it pops up in the story of salvation, it gains meaning in each of the events in which it appears. It gains new meaning. It doesn't lose the meaning from the previous appearance, but it only gains more meaning as it moves through the story. And it's interesting that this is the case because water itself as a natural substance, as it flows in the case of like this creek here, as it flows through the creek, it picks up things along the way, picks up sediment, you know, picks up more minerals and other things that happen to be in the creek um, get dissolved and become part of the water. But the water doesn't lose its property from before, but it picks up new properties as it moves. And there's this weird thing about water that if you run tests on it, you can figure out where it's been just based on the presence of certain solutes that are within it. But you didn't click on this episode for a science science podcast. So I think the interesting thing that popped in my mind last night is we have this principle 
of the sacraments as they pop up throughout salvation history, I wondered if this could be applied to people in the biblical story. And then I realized, of course it can, because the catechism teaches that the Old Testament is fully revealed in the person of Christ and recapitulated in the person of Christ. And so any figures of the Old Testament we can look at as prefigurements of certain people, most likely Christ in the New Testament, such as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, all those guys prefigure Christ in certain ways. And so then I thought, can this be applied to other people aside from Jesus? And I think the answer is yes. I know that there's the study of Mariology, and so there's prefigurements of Mary, but I also think there's most definitely prefigurements of St. Joseph. And obviously, I think the most obvious one is the Joseph of the Old Testament, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, became the right-hand man of Pharaoh in Egypt, and held the storehouses of grain, He's definitely a prefigurement of Joseph. And I think there's others. So I just encourage you as you read through the scriptures to take that to prayer. Look for prefigurements of Joseph in the biblical record. And I think you'll find many in the sense that fatherhood is a very common theme. We see it again with all of the patriarchs and a lot of the prophets kings mostly and see how those characters might prefigure our man saint joseph and i'll just leave you with this again as water flows through the biblical story it picks up meaning and ultimately it finds its fulfillment in the sacrament of baptism and so in a way we can say that god created water for baptism for cleansing us of sin and I think we can say something similar for St. Joseph. God created fatherhood in the human sense to ultimately point to his eternal fatherhood. But I think that it might find fulfillment or perfection in St. Joseph as the model father, ultimately to be the father of Jesus. And then in thus creating fatherhood for his only begotten son, he's brought it to perfection also for us. And so for those fathers who are out there wondering, how do I do this? Am I doing this right? Look to Joseph, where we find the perfect model of fatherhood and know that that same grace that was available to him to be a perfect father is available to you. I'm not saying you will be a perfect father, but I'm saying that grace is available if you're open to receive it. And where is it available to us? In the sacraments, especially in our baptismal identity. Where the Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts at our baptism and wells up within us and wants to well up and overflow from us to our family, to our wives, to our children, to our friends and those around us. And hopefully by an abundance of God's grace, it will overflow and well up to eternal life. I hope this was a helpful reflection for you all. 
Don't forget, go to Joseph.